Thank you for tuning in to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Well, gang, it is the end of the week, although I think my brain decided to check out on Wednesday. However, this is Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, or T-L-O-P-N, or TLOPN, of course. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked On Mariners on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast or any of the other programs here on Tlopin. Follow this program on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners and follow me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg. L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G for those scoring at home. I did it in one take. Yes. Anyways. Pitching today, 1994. We're doing the same thing we did the last couple of shows. And here with me to do that again, after that horrible intro, is Locked On Mariners contributor John Miller. John, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> well, I'm glad one of us is saying DC. Yeah, that's... <laughs> see, this is why... Well, this isn't why I'm having you on the show this week, but this is a very good reason to have you on these particular episodes. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate that, John. It's always a pleasure to have you on this program. Yesterday, we kind of wrapped up the hitting statistics for both National and American League batting races, RBI races, home run races in 1994, projecting out the individual player statistics to see if the leaderboards in those categories may have changed. Some of them did. Some of them did not. Today, we're going to start to do the same thing with pitching, and this is probably going to go at least two shows. We're going to start in the National League pitching uh, race and we are going to begin with ERA because that is the least interesting as far as I'm concerned. And we all have Greg Maddox to think about that because he had a one five six ERA in real life, and um, the next guy down from him uh, was Brett Saberhagen with two seventy four. And in this projection, the projection I have for 1994 at the end of the season, Greg Maddox was very, very consistent. His whip barely budges, hits per nine innings. His statistics barely move at all. He gains two points on a ZRA, going from 156 to 158. Um, home runs per nine innings goes down by 0.1. Walks per nine innings goes up a little bit. Home runs per nine innings remain exactly where they are. I've also got him projected, John, for now a 22-10 and 10 record as opposed to the 16-6 and 6 record he has in real life. Oh, my goodness. It's, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, what, I mean, what can we say about Greg Maddox that, that has not been said already? The man was just incredible, kind of a throwback from an earlier era pitching in the 1990s. In real life, he gave up 35 earned runs all year. In 202 innings. And in this projection, I've got him giving up only 50 earned runs in 285 and two-thirds innings. Only six home runs. And that's in the projection. In real life, only four home runs given up all season. That's just unheard of. Do you happen to have his projection for 1995? John, as a matter of fact, I do have his 1995 statistics statistics rather projected out. These are uh, kind of duplicating what the Braves did in their first 18 games. It's harder for pitchers because of the rotation and whatnot. So I'm going basing them off team games and not individual games. But in any case, he gains two more wins, no more losses. So he would go to 21 and two for the 1995 season. His uh, season innings total goes to 233 even. 
he gains um, gains. He gives up 16 more hits, six more earned runs. During this time period, his ERA was 231. So his ERA goes up from 163 to 170. That's ridiculous. Cut him. He's useless. No. Uh, he gives up one <laughs> one more home run for a season total of now nine. Four more walks for now a season total. And this is the projection, ladies and gentlemen, remember this, of 27 walks. In real life, he only gave up 23 walks in the 1995 season. This was just a very special pitcher. In the 1995 season, he struck out 181 batters. And in this projection, I've got him at 201. He was not, uh, and you mentioned this while we were off air, John, that he wasn't really one to break the 200 strikeout barrier. Although, you know, with him painting the corners and whatnot and with the movement he had on his pitches, he could get the strikeout. 201 strikeouts in this uh, aggregate here. And the 1994 projection is 219 strikeouts. Wow. That, that, paints him just in a little bit of a different light. There are a number of years where he kind of flirted with 200 and just never got there. Kind of like his 19-win seasons, or I think he had like five 19-win seasons (laughs) or something, where he just flirted with 20 and only got there a couple times. There There were quite a few of them, yes. And the interesting part about the 219 pr- strikeout projection I have for 1994, his season strikeouts per nine actually goes down in this projection. In real life, it was 7.0 in the projection at 6.9. Well, I think, like you said, cut him, because that, that, we just can't <laughs> live with that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we could probably spend an entire week talking about Greg Maddox, um, but I don't think we're going to do that. Let's move on to the number two man in terms of ERA in the National League. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Brett Saberhagen. Let's see how he did at the end of 1994 to kind of duplicate what he may have done in real life. His ERA also his ERA goes down during his last uh, few starts. And, this, and each starter... By the way, ladies and gentlemen, gains about 10 more starts. So other than batters where you may see a 1 or 2 point swing in batting average or maybe even a 5 or 10 point swing, you're going to see larger swings in earned run average here. And Saberhagen is a perfect example. In real life, his uh, ERA was 274. To end the 1994 season, his ERA was 178 in the projection that I'm using. So his season ERA goes down 30 points. In this projection for the season, it's 244, and he has 214 strikeouts in this projection, five fewer than Maddox. I I really don't have anything to say to that. That's very impressive. It's very impressive, although it's also about 30 innings fewer than Maddox. Although here's Saberhagen in this projection, 258 in a third innings. That just doesn't happen anymore. No, I I was noticing that with Maddox, too. Maddox had almost 300 innings in my projection. It was around 285. It was 285 and a third or two-thirds. I forget exactly what it was, but, you know, the the ERA race in the National League really is not that interesting just because Maddox was running away with it. So we're going to pause for the Mariners trivia question and move on to the strikeout and win totals in the National League. But first, that aforementioned Mariners trivia question. In 1993, Jay Buhner became the first Mariner to hit for the cycle. He hit a 14th inning triple to complete this feat. Off whom did he hit this triple? Hmm. 
think about that? Well, you think about this from Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? Well, you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can then use for other important things like mortgage or food or Spokane Indians tickets. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oils, even new carpeting. Whether it's for the classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right at this exact moment and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com The answer to the Mariners trivia question To complete the cycle in 1993, Jay Buhner hit a uh, 14th inning triple off Oakland Athletics pitcher Sean Hillegas Buhner later scored on a wild pitch from Hillegas two batters later More Locked on Mariners after a word from Postmates If you're the type who starts thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch, then you will love using Postmates. They deliver food from just about any restaurant you can think of right to your door. But Postmates just doesn't deliver chicken, burgers, and sushi. Oh, no, sir. They can actually make your life easier with grocery delivery and whichever type of delivery you can think of. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store. No more late-night fast food runs. You won't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates for iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, ladies and gentlemen, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it.
Welcome back to Locked On Mariners. Once again, your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you very much, J.M. We are indeed back on Locked On Mariners, or at least I'm back, so to speak, as it were. I'm not sure my mind is back yet, but we'll, we'll get this. Uh, we'll get through this. And uh, oh my, what's going on? In any case, uh, we're talking about the pitching statistics in 1994, projecting those out um, as if the strike never happened to see what may have happened to the season leaderboards. We dealt with ERA already in the National League. We're going to get to the American League next week. ERA was rather uninteresting. Wins is actually pretty interesting, even though it's something of a team statistic. Greg Maddox and Ken Hill were the league leaders in wins with 16. Brett Saberhagen and Danny Jackson each had 14 wins. And Tom Glavin had 13 wins. We've already talked about Maddox a little bit. And he goes to 22 wins, I believe, if I if memory serves. And it should because we just talked about him a couple minutes ago. And my memory does indeed not fail me. 22 wins. Can, so 22, the leader in the clubhouse right now with Maddox. Ken Hill also had 16 wins. He also gains six more wins. He also has 22 wins, John. I didn't... And remember, he was an Expo at this time. The Expos... This was the good Expo season that was, you know, very tragically erased. Yeah, and some have projected that the Expos could very well have gone all the way, and this would have been kind of their time to do it. So it, it's tragic that he got erased, and Ken Hill's stats are just a testament to how good they were. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And remember, there was a young Pedro Martinez on this staff as well, who we will talk about in a little bit. But Ken Hill was kind of the veteran presence, the anchor on that pitching staff. And we're, I mean, we're talking about individual statistics here projecting out 1994 there have been so many other people who have projected out the postseason and which team may have won and i i don't i'm not smart enough to do that anyway but ken hill's era actually goes up a little bit in this projection to 341 it was 332 he did not strike out as many people per nine innings during this projection and he walked a few more however i mean you you cannot argue with a 341 era Especially in that high of an offensive, um, when offense was that high. No, that that's a pretty good ERA. It is indeed. We also talked about Saberhagen a little bit. He was one of the two pitchers who had 14 wins, and his season total goes up to 21. He gains seven wins and only one loss. So his record in this projection is 21 and five. We already talked about his strikeouts and his earned run average. So with Ken Hill and Greg Maddox still tied at 21 wins, that puts Saberhagen in third place with 21 wins. And also tied with Saberhagen was Danny Jackson with 14 wins. And that was not exactly a very strong Philadelphia Phillies team, even though they had just been to the World Series. I'm sorry to the Phillies fans out there. They did kind of overachieve in 1993. What do you think, John? I think they did, yes. I think it's fair to say. Uh, Danny Jackson, however, um, was pretty consistent in this uh, sample size that I've got him with. He gains six wins, as did Maddox and Hill. So his season win total goes to 20, but he also gains five losses. And that's not really a testament to how poorly he did during the stretch because he actually did, he actually did okay during the stretch. He did very well. 3-5-5 ERA during the 6-5 and five stretch. Here. He gains 11 starts. And... Walks per nine innings during the sample size is only 1.7. So 
So his season total in that category actually goes down. And he ends the season in this projection with a 3-3-5 ERA and a 20-11 and record on a pretty poor team. That's a great season. That really is. And then moving on to the man in fifth place is Tom Glavin, who was pitching on a very good Atlanta Braves team. He had 13 wins for the season. And I am sensing a pattern here. He also gains six more wins, bringing his projected season total to 19 and 11 or his season record to 19 and 11 his ERA goes down when I think of Tom Glavin I generally do not think of ERAs around 4 in real life his ERA this season was 397 that's high for him that's very high however the sample size that I'm using was a 333 ERA so his his season projection is 376 which also is a little high for Glavin in terms of what I think of Glavin being. Looking up his career ERA is 3.54. It is 3.54. Um you're absolutely right. And in 1993 his ERA was 3.20, the year before 2.76, before that 2.55, and then it was uh four almost four and a half before that. In this this was his peak. He was 28 years old. 20 or 1994 was his age 28 season. And during this kind of uh, five, six-year stretch, that was kind of a rather high ERA for him. But still, I mean, you're going to take that in this era of high offense any day of the week. Yeah, certainly. And this would be the third year in a row that he had gotten very close to 20 wins and actually just fallen short. Yes. He did make 20 wins later on in 1998, where his ERA was an astounding 2.47. And then in, at age 34 in 2021 wins, these, these were just magnificent Braves teams. They only won the one World Series. And when I think of the Braves from this era, it's pitching. Not 100% because their offense also was very, very good, very solid. But the pitching is what, what drove them. Maddox and Glavin, John Smoltz, Steve Avery was very good for a while. And then after he moved on to the Red Sox, Kevin Millwood had some very good seasons. This is one of the best pitching staffs that I can recall in my lifetime. If you're a pitching coach anywhere, what you need to do is figure out what they did and try to replicate that because for about a decade, they had the best pitching staff in baseball. And they were not overpowering. Although Smoltz was a power pitcher, his strikeouts were there, but his control also was very good. Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox were the masters of control and deception, movement on their pitches, missing bats. It's kind of like the Mariners' philosophy with their starters now, not necessarily their bullpen, because they try to fill their bullpen with power arms. But it's the Marco Gonzalez's of the world. They want to control the strike zone, that's kind of what the Braves were doing back then. I'm not trying to compare the two cause Mar- because you know Marco Gonzalez obviously is nowhere near where Tom Glavin or Greg Maddox were. Few players are, but Gonzalez has a similar style. That style, when done right, appears to be very effective then. And it'll be effective in pretty much any era because if you can change speeds, mess up the hitter's timing, and miss bats... With movement on your pitches, you are going to be successful, whether it's 2020, 2000, 1995, or 1915. I don't care what era you're in. That's the way to do it, I think. And we'll notice something, going back to Tom Glavin just for a second. Sure. 
that we also mentioned with Maddox. Mm -hmm. Tom Glavin never had over 200 strikeouts, and there's only twice that he had over 180. Yet he had 20 wins five times. Again, this is proof positive that you do not need to blow hitters away to be effective. Obviously, there is a place for that. I mean, the Mariners had Randy Johnson. Let's not lose sight of that. Although Johnson's control was you know, pretty good once he found his release point, although he still walked more hitters than, than Glavin and Maddox combined. But you're absolutely right. And in this 1994 projection, I've got Glavin with 184 strikeouts, right around that 180 mark that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, well, and that goes with what you had said, where this was right when he was kind of coming to his peak. Yes, that's absolutely correct. And um, we're going to move on to the National League leaders and strikeouts just very briefly, because there are some of the same names on this list. We're going to go with the first two. Andy Bennis led the league. Yes, former Mariner Andy Bennis led the National League with 189 strikeouts in 1994. And if I project that out, that gives him an astounding total of 271 for the season and a strikeout per nine innings ratio of 10.1. For anybody, that's fantastic. For uh, You don't expect Andy Benes to be at the top of this list with those kind of numbers. You really don't, and especially considering how he pitched in Seattle, which was you know not very effective. His record for the season, and this is in real life, was 6-14. and 14 which does not speak to how bad he was that season because his numbers were very good. 386 ERA, which was very good for that time period. He did give up 20 home runs, but the 189 strikeouts, strikeout-to-walk ratio of 9.9, these are his real-life numbers. These are, this is a very, very good season for Andy Bennis. The Padres just sucked that year. There's just no two ways about it. And in this projection, he's pretty consistent. His ERA only goes down four points but he only gains one win, and he gains five more losses for a projected season record of 7-19. and 19. With the other numbers I mentioned, it is awful that his team couldn't muster any support for him whatsoever, and he almost loses 20 games. Well, and that is exactly what you just said, that it's got to be the team wasn't supporting him. If he's striking out... It projected 270 batters, if I remember correctly. 271. Yeah. If he's striking out that many, yet losing 19 games, the Padres were just awful. Yeah, and, and again, Tony Gwynn, 404 batting average, projected out a, a few weeks ago. Same team. They had a few good pieces. That's about it. But moving on now to the number two strikeout man in the National League in 1994. By the way, Greg Maddox and Brett Saberhagen were three and four. We've already discussed them. So the last pitcher we are going to discuss today is Jose Rijo, who finished with 171 strikeouts in 1994. And his ERA is going to go down too. He had a 9-6 and six record in real life, 308 ERA, 171 strikeouts. He was on a pretty good streak going into the strike. He gains three wins and two losses for a combined 12-8 and eight record in this projection, a 296 earned run average, and 246 strikeouts, 9.2 per nine innings. Very, very good numbers from Jose Rijo here, John. 
Yeah, excellent. And was he, correct me if I'm wrong, but was he the MVP of the 1990 World Series, or am I completely off base? You know, I don't remember. We're going to find, you know, he was. I see that right here on his, on his, uh, Baseball reference page, he was the MVP of the 1990 World Series. He went 2-0 against Oakland. He won games 1 and 4 and had an ERA for those two games of 0-5-9. Jose Rijo was a pitcher. I think he had a lot of injury trouble uh, a couple years later, and he was pretty much done at the age of 30, although he did come back later on. This here, Here's a trivia question for you, ladies and gentlemen. Jose Rijo actually pitched a major league game after receiving a Hall of Fame vote. His last game was 1995 until 2001. He became eligible for the Hall of Fame while he was attempting a comeback, and his comeback was successful. And he pitched 44 games in 2001 and 2002, after he had become eligible for the Hall of Fame and received one vote. That doesn't happen very often, does it, John? No, it doesn't. (laughs) And with that piece of trivia, we're going to go. Where can the nice people find you on Twitter, sir? I can be found on Twitter at SeattlePilot69. Very good. Uh, We'll uh, have you back here next week. In the interim, please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked on Mariners on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you can think of. Follow this program on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg. Joining John and me on the next Locked on Mariners are guest panelists Punky Brewster, Boober Fraggle, and a Jack-O-Lantern. The five of us will discuss the pitching statistics in the American League in 1994 as if the strike never happened. Have a good weekend, ladies and gentlemen. This is Joey Martin speaking for Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Ask your smart device to play Locked On MLB upon the conclusion of this program.